0: Uh, If you have your Bibles today, go with me to the book of Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. And I just want to kind of set the scene here for a moment. Just kind of get you up to speed as to what we're going to read. Kind of give you some context here. In Acts chapter 21, the Apostle Paul was arrested for preaching the gospel. He was arrested for preaching the gospel. And so for these few chapters, what you're going to see is Paul now is a prisoner, and Paul now is a part of a prisoner transport that will eventually lead him to Rome. And he's on this prisoner transport, and and obviously in those days, much of the, the travel, much of the way they transported prisoners was by ship. And what we're going to read this morning is really an account of one of these journeys which I really know and really hope and really know that it will also be a a, a blessing to you and an encouragement for you. And as we look into one of these journeys today, just just ask the Lord to open your heart and your mind to what he wants to deposit in you uh, this morning. Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27, we'll begin reading at verse 13. Acts chapter 27, verse 13. When you're there, say, I've got it. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on the screen. Acts 27 verse 13 says this. It says, When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. Let's jump down to verse 18. Verse 18 says, We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. It says that we finally gave up all hope of being saved. If you're taking notes this morning, and I really, really pray that you are, and I hope that you are, unless you have like the best memory of all time, which I know we don't. But if you're taking notes this morning, the title of today's message is, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. Look to the person you're sitting next to and say, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. Look to the person on the other side and say, I didn't either. I didn't either. I didn't either. I didn't see it coming. Verse 13 begins for the passengers on this ship and the crew of the ship as a pretty Good day, a normal day. Verse thirteen says that a gentle south wind began to blow, and so the the, the crew of this ship saw this as an opportunity, a good day for for sailing for them. It, it was a, a a good day, probably a nearly perfect day. Everything was looking good. Everything was feeling fine. Everything was in order, ready for them to set sail on this voyage. But then in verse 14, it says, but before very long, or another translation says, abruptly or suddenly, this, these, these violent hurricane-like winds came. Suddenly, And it got so bad that it would eventually lead them to fear for their lives. And so we see here that now the passengers and the crew of this ship were once in a moment of peace. We now find them now, they're in a moment of crisis. Because suddenly, abruptly, these torrential winds came. These violent winds came and threatened their ship and threaten their lives. I read this passage of Scripture, and I don't know about you, but when I read the Scriptures a lot of times, I, there are moments where I see the, this parallel to life, these parallels to life. Like, like, just like the day started for the crew members and the passengers of this ship, uh, many of us go through seasons, we experience moments like this where, where everything seems to be going well. Everything is looking good. There's no drama going on in our lives. Our, our marriage is good. Our, our family is good. There's money in the bank. My boss isn't tripping. My job is good. I'm loving it. Everything is wonderful. The Cowboys are winning. Like, it's just that type of season where everything is going really, really well. And it's almost this, this almost state of euphoria that we experience, right, where, where we're just enjoying life. We're like, man, God, this is so, so good. I, I have those moments as well where I'm sitting uh, at... at at a dinner table, I'm sitting out to eat with my, my, my wife and my girls, and I'm looking at my family, and I'm like, man, I, I love my life. Anybody else ever have those moments where you're just like, man, God, like, I don't even know if I deserve this right now. This is just a, 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 a great moment for me. And I, and I have those moments where I'm just like, man, I love my life right now. Everything is going great. But then, suddenly, abruptly, all of a sudden, Everything changes in a moment. Where we too were in a moment of peace, in a season of peace, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, a storm comes that we just didn't see coming. Anybody else ever experienced that other than me? Maybe it's that one phone call that rocks your world. Maybe it's that, that news of the family member that, that, just, that just, it just rocks you or that, that diagnosis from the doctor that feels like a punch to the gut and knocks all the wind out of you. Like, like we were in a moment of peace, and now all of a sudden we're in a moment of crisis. Everything was looking good. Everything was looking great. And now it appears to be like my whole world is crumbling down. Let's be real. How many of you have ever experienced that before? I mean, there are those seasons that we go through, this is just life. We have seasons where it's good and everything seems to be going well, and then we have those seasons where everything just seems to be falling apart. We're in a season where things look perfect. Now we're in a season where we're battling depression and anxiety things that, that rock us, things that, man, and, and maybe you've been like this before, Where sometimes you don't even want to get out of bed in the morning. You're like, why even bother? I know the way this day is going. I'm in the middle of a crisis right now. But life can be going one way, and then suddenly, abruptly, everything changes in a moment. I mean, If that isn't for your life personally, you can can say how it is for the year. 2020 has been a definite reflection of this. 2020, I, I, I jumped into this year really excited about the year. I really did. 2020 is the year, the year of vision. Let's go. I mean, even as a church, just full disclosure, like as a church, the first quarter of this year was like one of our best years financially that we've had in a long time. And we were praising God. We're like, yeah, this is so awesome. God is is so faithful. Look at what God is doing financially for the church. And you start making these plans and you start setting things in motion like, yeah, 2020 is the year. And then suddenly, abruptly, out of nowhere, COVID-19. In a moment, everything changes. All your plans that you had are now out the window. Now you're walking in a moment in a season of peace to now a moment of crisis. Something we just didn't see coming. I didn't see COVID-19 coming. I didn't see a pandemic coming. I didn't see the way we have to rearrange and live our lives now coming? I mean, we're trying to figure out how we're going to do Thanksgiving, right? Like, that's we're trying to figure out, do we meet for Thanksgiving? Do we not meet? Do we meet for Christmas? Do we not meet? Like, that's the question of the hour. Everybody's trying to figure it all out. But something we just didn't see coming is now on our doorstep. And just like the, 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 the crew members and the, and the passengers of this boat, now they're, 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 they're faced in a moment of crisis. They've moved from peace to a moment of crisis. And now verse 15, it says that the winds were so strong that they, they couldn't even steer the ship right. And it says the winds were so strong and the winds overtook them so much that they just gave way to it. They gave way to the strong winds. They just gave way to these violent winds. Why? Because there was nothing they can do. They had no sense of of, of control in this situation. And it's the same thing for a lot of us when it comes to crisis. Sometimes we get in the middle of crisis and we come to the realization, man, everything is out of my control. And so just like the passengers on this ship, Just like the crew members on this ship, we give way to it. And in many ways right now, there are some of us that are giving way to the crisis because we realize there's nothing else for us to do. And we feel like all control and everything that we had organized, everything that we had in order is now out of our hands we lost all sense of control and then the bible says that that in verse 17 it says that they that the the, the winds were so strong and so violent that they they feared for uh, uh, the ship itself they thought the ship was going to be destroyed so they it says that they tied ropes around the ship they tied ropes around the entire ship in the hopes that it would hold it all together and that's what happens in the middle of crisis for us right we try to do things to hold it all together. We try to do things in our own strength to try to figure it out. We try to do things in our own strength to try to, to try to get some sense of control, some sense of security, because if there's one thing that humanity does not like, it does not like the sense of lost control. We like to feel like we're in control. As humans, we, we like to feel like we're secure. But you and I both know there are seasons of crisis that we experience where we know we have no control. And we know and we feel that we lost all sense of security. It's like that for the year, too. We've seen that in 2020. When the pandemic hit and COVID-19, all this stuff is going on around like, like we had no sense of control. I got people asking me, like, man, what do you think of the pandemic? I'm like, I don't know what to think. What do you think of COVID-19? I don't even know what it is. And so to gain some sense of control, I'm Googling it. Coronavirus, COVID-19. Trying to figure out as much information as I can. Trying to figure out, I even, I even typed the question, how to survive a pandemic. You know, one of the first things that came up was season six of The Walking Dead. Like, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to see, like, like how, do we, how do we survive this thing? How do we do it? And so to gain some sense of control, to gain some sense of, of security, I've got to get some information. I've got to figure it all out. And, and then you, you, you go to the stores and you stand in line to try to stock up on food. And, and why? Because you want some sense of security. I'm trying to figure it all out. That's why we that's why we believe a lot of conspiracy theories too because conspiracy theories kind of gives us some sense of security. We read conspiracy theories because we feel like we got the upper hand like oh we know something that the rest of the world don't know so we've got a hold on this thing. I know what coronavirus is. It's a, it's it's a, it's a plan from the government. I got it. Just a word to the wise stay away from conspiracy theories. Because conspiracy theories can give you a false sense of security. Conspiracy theories can make you feel like you've got the upper hand that other people don't. I've got information that the rest of the world don't have. Not even the president knows this. And so why do we why do we believe conspiracy theories? Why do we do all this stuff? Why? Because we want to gain some sense of control. We want to feel secure. And so like the passengers on this ship and the crew on this ship, they're, they're tying ropes around the boat to hold it all together. And then they came to a place where, in verse 18 and 19, where they, they came to the realization that, man, the only thing we have left to do is to try to survive. And so in order, in order for us to survive, we're going to have to lighten the load of this ship. And so the Bible says in verse 18 and 19 that they began to throw their cargo overboard and throw all their ships tackled overboard. I mean, these were very important things, but they realized in order for us to survive, we got to lighten the load of the ship. So they're throwing stuff overboard. They're letting go of things. Why? Because it's not so important to them in the moment. They're just trying to stay alive. And if there's one thing I've learned about crisis, things that were important to me yesterday aren't as important for me today in the middle of crisis. Or things that I didn't value as important yesterday, I value more important today because of crisis. Like when the pandemic hit, like I knew toilet paper was important, but I guess I didn't value it as much because it was always there. Now in the middle of pandemic, you're like, where's the toilet paper? Just kind of uh, I'm put this on, on, on notice right now, like right now at this moment, uh, somebody posted earlier that they went to Costco and they were out of toilet paper. So it's starting again. So you best stock up this afternoon if you're on your way home or whatever you need to do. But, 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 but things that, that we thought were important aren't as important to us. Things that we didn't think were important are now important to us. Why? Because crisis just shifts all that stuff for us. They start throwing over their cargo, throwing over their tackle. I mean, these are means for them. This is how they're going to eat. This is, this is their, their clothes. This is all these important things for them. And they threw it all over. But why? Because they're in the middle of crisis and they just need to survive. And then in verse 20, it says that neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. So now they we see that they, for, for days they are in utter darkness. They, they can't see clearly. And this is important for the, the, the crew members of this ship. Because crew members need to see the sun. They need to see the stars because it helps them chart their location. Well, now they have no sense of direction because now it's complete darkness. And they're losing sight. They're losing clarity. And that happens in the middle of crisis. In the middle of crisis, we we lose our sense of sight. We lose our sense of clarity. Sometimes we start making just crazy decisions because we're not seeing clearly. We're not thinking straight. And so it says that they were in darkness. And some of you, right now, at this moment, in the middle of your crisis, you are in the middle of darkness. To in verse 20, it says that they finally gave up all hope of being saved. They lost hope. So we're just going to die. There's no hope to live. They just gave up. They just quit. And I don't know who's here this morning that came into this building today or you watching online today, but you, just like the passengers on this ship, gave up all hope of any type of salvation. You've given up all hope of even moving forward. You, like the passengers on this ship, just want to quit. You just want to give up. You want to give up on that marriage. You want to give up on that family member. You just want to give up because you've lost all hope. You want to give up on surviving. Some even want to just give up on life. Why even live if there's no hope? And I'm here to tell you this morning that if you are someone that came into the building today and you don't have hope, or you're watching online today and you don't have hope, you're in the right place. Because hope has a name. And his name is Jesus. And there is hope in Jesus. So we don't have to give up. We don't have to quit. We don't have to throw in the towel. We don't have to give up on life. Because there's hope here. There's hope right there where you're watching this morning. There is hope, and his name is Jesus. There is hope. So what is our response to crisis then? Like, Chris, that sounds great. Great. But I'm in the middle of a crisis right now. It's great being in service today. It's great watching online today. But as soon as this service is done, I'm right back in the reality of a crisis. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to give you our response to crisis, specifically as followers of Jesus. Because there's one thing I know about crisis, and I've said this time and time again, and you may get tired of me saying it, but it's such a reality, and I see it all the time. When you are in the middle of crisis or adversity, it always draws a crowd. People are always watching you. They're always seeing what your next move is, especially when they find out you're a Christian. They want to see how you respond to crisis. They want to see how the church responds to a pandemic. They want to see how the church responds in crisis. They want to see how you respond in the middle of your crisis. It always draws a crowd. Some people genuinely care. and some people are just nosy don't be the nosy person there's some people that just want to watch you they're glad that it's not them But they want to watch you right in the middle of your crisis. They want to watch you right in the middle of your marriage issue. They want to watch you right in the middle of your family issue. They want to watch you right in the middle of your financial issue. They want to watch and see how you respond. This is the guy that says he's a follower of Jesus. This is the guy that says he's a Christian. She says she loves God. Well, she's in the middle of a crisis. How is she going to respond to this? So it always draws a crowd. So if you're in the middle of crisis this morning, you best believe people are watching you. They're watching you because they want to see how you respond. And so three things to remember during crisis. They've given up all hope. They're going to die. They're done. They're finished. They're quitting. They're giving up. Let's jump down to verse 21. It says, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men... You should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. Let's stop right there for a moment. This is funny to me. Because at the beginning of this chapter, before they set sail on their voyage, Paul said, hey, guys, I don't think this is a good idea. The Holy Spirit on the inside of him spoke to Paul. Paul was like, look, man, I don't think this is a good idea for us to set sail now. And you know what they did? They said, sit down, Paul. Sit down, we're the the professionals here. We got this. You're just a prisoner. You're just a passenger on this ship. And I love how Paul in this moment, like he didn't have to do this, but he did it anyway. That's why I like Paul so much. Because he said, "Um, you should have taken my advice. It's not like he's saying, like, I told you so, but he's saying, I told you so. You should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But he's like, but that's neither here nor there. Like, we're already in this mess now. It's too late now. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed because last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. Stop. Three things to remember in crisis. Number one, write this down. Write down the word presence presence, the presence of God. Why? You are not alone. When everybody else has abandoned you, when everybody else is not there to support you, when everybody else has jumped ship in the middle of your crisis, when things have gotten the worst, remember his presence. You are not alone. The same God that created the heavens and the earth, the same God that created the universe is the same God that is with you. The same God that is with Paul in the middle of this ship that is sinking is the same God that is with you. You are not alone. You're not alone in the middle of your crisis. You're not alone in the middle of your marital issue. You're not alone in the middle of your family issue. You're not alone in the middle of your financial issue. It may feel like it. It may seem like it when nobody else is around when nobody else is there to help, when nobody else is there to support. Because, see, I told you, people are watching you, but most of the time they're watching from a distance. But they're watching. And you have to remember that in the middle of a crisis, that your God has not left you. I remember times when my girls were little, and they were younger, and they were starting to run around and walk and run around now, and we would take them to the park. We would take them to little playground areas, and, you know, especially, especially with our first child, right, Sophie, you know, we, we, we were always this very, very uh, just, you, you know how it is with your first child, where you're just like you just garden everything that they do right you just watch them like whatever like and so we would take her to the playground and, and, and so we would let her run around in the playground well I would kind of just be walking with her she's in the playground and the main thing I was watching for not that she would fall and hurt herself but I was watching for those big kids to be in the playground you know what I'm saying like man you're too big to be in this playground like you need to get off this playground where's your parents at like quit running quit jumping she's only three she's only four but I would, I would let her go play and let her go play. And she would kind of go off a little bit and play. And every, every so often she would turn around to look at us. And she would see me looking back at her and I'd wait to her. And then she would go back to playing again. And then a few moments later she'd be playing and playing and she would stop and look back at us. She would see me, I'd wave to her, and she would go back playing. Why? All she wanted to know was that I was still there. That's all she wanted to know. She wanted to go about her business. She wanted to play, but she couldn't do that without the security of knowing that I, wasn't, that I was watching her. And it's the same with us in God. We can go through life living. We can go through life in the middle of the crisis. We can go through life in the middle of the trial. But every so often, we got to stop. We got to stop and look up. And I promise you, when you look up, When you acknowledge God, you best believe he's looking right back at you. Why? He never left you. He never left you. And the same with my daughter, Sophie, playing in the playground. I was just giving her space. But I was walking with her every step of the way. And it's the same in the middle of crisis. We're walking through life. And you best believe God is walking with you every step of the way. He's watching you. He's watching you. And when you stop to look up, when you stop to acknowledge and see if He's there, I promise you He is there. You're not alone. You're not alone. The first thing you need to remember in the middle of crisis is presence. Remember that your God is with you. He's with you. He said Paul said this he said an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me. This was the night in the middle of the storm. In the middle of the darkness, in the middle of things, when everything was at its worst, this angel stood beside him, was right there with him as an assurance for him that God is with Paul. You're not alone. And then he goes on to say, verse 24, he says, And said, this is what the angel said, and do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So not only do you have his presence with you, not only do you have his presence right there, right beside you, but you also have purpose. See, he said, Paul, you're not going to die on this ship. You've got to get to Rome, because if you don't get to Rome, the gospel doesn't go to Rome. There's purpose for your life, Paul. This crisis is not going to take you out. And since you're here, everybody else on the ship will be spared too. There is purpose for your life. And let me tell you something this morning. In the middle of your crisis, when you remember that the presence of God is with you, also remember this one thing. Remember that you have purpose. The crisis does not define you. You are not defined by the crisis you're going through. But you can be strengthened by it. This crisis will not take you out. Why? Because there's purpose for you. God has plans for you. You say, well, what's my purpose? What's my plan? This crisis is horrible. Remember how I told you that people are watching you? Here's how you can activate your purpose in the middle of crisis. Since you know people are watching, you just point them to Jesus. Well, since you're looking at me in the middle of my adversity, since you're looking at me in the middle of this crisis, I'm just going to point you to Jesus. Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. Crisis does not define you. There's purpose for you. And I know right now in the middle of it, you don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. You don't see anywhere where there's a plan of escape. You don't see anything. You don't see any hope. You don't see anything right now. That's why we just need to stop and remember that God is with you and stop and remember that there is purpose for your life. There are plans for you. There are plans for you. He says, Paul, look, you're good. You're good. I've got a job for you. You've got to get to Rome. There are people there that need to hear the gospel. There are people there that need to know Jesus. This storm isn't going to take you out. This crisis isn't going to take you out. I've got a purpose for you. And I feel like the same thing that God is telling Paul is the same thing that he wants to tell us this morning. This crisis will not take you out. Because there are still purposes and plans for your life that God has yet to fulfill. There's purpose. There's purpose. So he says, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Verse 25, So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. So not only must you remember his presence, that you are not alone, but you got to remember there is purpose. You're not just put on this earth just to survive. Many of you are just surviving. No, you are here more than just to survive. You're here to thrive in this life. There's purpose for you. But I know there's purpose. Why? Because there's the promise. There's the promise. If God said it, he will do it. Did you catch that? If God said it, he will do it. I don't think you believe that. Let me hear you say it. Say, if God said it, he will do it. Say it again. If God said it, he will do it. He tells Paul, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. I believe in the promise. And God is not one that he should lie. His his words are true. He is promised. He is truth. He's not a liar. That's why this crisis won't take you out. Because those purposes that that are declared over your life, if he said it, he will do it. If he said it, he will do it. I mean, Jesus is so clear in this. Jesus is so clear. This is John 16, He's talking to his disciples. And he's warning them and just letting them know about the trials and things that are to come and everything that, that there's going to be a dark season in life. He's, he's just letting them know about that. He doesn't want them to get caught off guard. And in verse 33, Jesus tells them this. He goes, man, I told you these things. We know this passage of Scripture. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. That, what I love about Jesus is that, like, this is not a really a good selling point for Christianity. Right, like, like if, if I'm trying to tell somebody to come to the faith, a lot of times I would love to tell them, man, your life is just going to be great from here on out. You're not going to experience any type of trouble. You're not going to experience any type of trial. It's all going to be good. Everything's going to be great. No trials, no heartache, nothing. You're good. Just come to Jesus. Everything will be better. Jesus says, no, nah, in this world you will have trouble. See, Jesus wasn't about selling points. Jesus isn't trying to convince you that his way is better. He's going to tell you the truth. He's going to tell you like it is. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. But he says this, but take heart. In other words, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. But take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Because I've overcome the world. You're going to have trouble. But don't worry about it because I've already conquered the world. This world is going to come at you. It's going to throw everything it can at you. The enemy hates your guts, and he's going to throw everything he can at you. But don't worry. Don't fret. Why? Because I've already overcome it. I've already conquered it. I have overcome the world. And he has. Because, see, if you're in the middle of crisis, and if you're in the middle of crisis right now at this moment, and I know there may be At least a few of you that can say, yes, I am in the middle of a crisis right now, and I don't know how we're going to make it through. I don't know how we're going to survive this. Remember you're not alone. Remember that there is purpose. It's not about you just surviving the crisis. You're to thrive in life. And remember his promise. That if he said it, he will do it. And Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And so those of you in the middle of crisis right now, those of you watching online in the middle of crisis right now, I need you to remember this one thing. If you don't write anything else down, any notes down, whatever, because you have the greatest memory of all time, that's fine. Remember this one thing. Jesus has solved the biggest problem you would ever have in life. Jesus has solved the greatest problem. You say, no, 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 but my problem's bad now. It's the worst. This is not diminishing your crisis. It's not diminishing it. I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm not trying to make it like nothing. It's a big deal. But you know what was even a bigger deal for humanity? Is that we weren't right with God. We were separated from God. And Jesus, the problem solver, came through and became the solution. Jesus said, I'll solve the biggest problem you would ever have in life. I'll make you right with God.